0: This is Indexed. Welcome, everyone, to Indexed, the podcast where we dive into a band's discography and rank it, while touching on their history, influences, and their place in the musical pantheon along the way. I'm your host, Mike Scarpelli, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Phil Wheeler. Today's episode is IDX 19.0, and we'll be indexing the discography of Sneaker Pimps. Welcome back to Indexed, everybody. Uh, episode 19. We're almost done with the season, Phil. Ooh. Insert crying noises here. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what do I do with all my free time now? I know. Maybe like live our lives or something. Oh, wait. We can't. <laughs> oh, God. Hopefully uh, hopefully this pandemic will be done at some point. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's just so... I don't have much more to say on that one. Yeah, feel fantastic. like we've been talking about that <laughs> since we started this. Right. It's
0: insane. Pretty much. It's so the reason why it started is the reason why it's still kind of going. <laughs> um, so yeah, this episode, we are covering the band Sneaker Pimps. They're, uh, they're our uh, second overseas band. Uh, we covered, if you're big into overseas bands, go back to episode 12. Covered Echo and the Bunnymen for you. Um, and this is also like our first four, wow, foray into the trip-hop genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess for those of you who are just had a moment of like, wait, what? What is trip-hop? Do you have a definition handy? So I,
1: I've got kind of a breakdown. So trip-hop's okay. probably the, the biggest known of the sub-genre. Um, it's really, they're really all related through down-tempo. Um, which is sometimes synonymous with trip hop, but then in the last decade plus, you had chill wave and lo-fi also mm-hmm. stem out of that. So they kind of split into those three distinct, uh, niches. Yep. Um, but it's really a, a broader, um, electronic music genre characterized by atmospheric sound and slow tempo, tempo beats. Um, kind of related to ambient music, but with more inf- emphasis on those discrete beats um, and having some uh, of the hip-hop flair behind it, but then also some more traditional lyricism and singing on top quite often as well.
0: Well done. That's better than the definition I put down. I put down a two-sentence thing. So, <laughs> um Yeah, so I guess if you're not super familiar with the genre, the – probably biggest example you might know is the, if you ever watched the TV show house, the theme song for house is by the trip hop band massive attack. Uh, Mm -hmm. they were kind of one of the pioneers from the early nineties. Um, so if you like that kind of vibe, that's kind of the, um, I guess the overarching sound that kind of most people I would say associate trip hop with.
1: Yeah, I think the, um, like Portishead's first two albums and then Massive Attack's Mezzanine were the the real big three, I would yeah, say. Yeah,
0: there are some other bands that I'll have my recommendation list that kind of had – some are still active, but they kind of had like a one-hit, kind of like Sneaker Pimps a little bit, where they kind of had one hit that kind of made them a little famous, but they still kind of lingered around at least, mm-hmm. kind of in the trip-hop genre.
1: Um, yeah, and it, it's kind of that whole genre. Even, like, Chill Wave came in and out. That's not really uh, a big, like, um, Neon Indian might be one that mm-hmm. you'd recognize from that genre. Uh, and then the lo fi ha- w- within the last, like, five years or so got real big at one point. And, yeah. Um, now that's kind of drifted out of favor as well.
0: Yeah. Um, so that's kind of everyone's lesson. History lesson on trip hop, in a sense. Not merely a history lesson. I guess that's your uh educational Merriam-Webster session of uh trip hop for you. Uh but yeah, we're we're talking about sneaker pimps. They're kind of um kind of, I guess would this be considered our first one-hit wonder-ish? They're kind of a one-hit wonder. They that's they definitely exploded question. in the 90s.
1: Because I don't know if six underground would actually qualify as like a top 40 hit to even make them a one-hit wonder, technically. Yeah, I guess I never looked at the chart where it... Because, yeah, I don't really know what you'd place in that definition, but I would say they probably weren't uh, in the forefront of pop culture enough to uh, really even call a, a one-hit wonder. Right. Um,
0: it just making them... They got a hit. It somehow kind of took off. I think it got remixed into clubs. So then it kind of got a little more popular. I think it got thrown into movies. I think that kind of basically garnered the, the momentum to get them on a tour to the United States. Uh, Yeah. But it looks like they cracked, let's see us billboard hot 100. They got as high as 45 Mm. in the 97 chart. Apparently adult top 40, they peaked at 31 and then the alternative airplay peaked at seven that's probably a little more niche than the hot 100. So, okay. so yeah, maybe not quite a one hit wonder, but it's definitely one of those bands. Like, you're like, I think I recognize the name and you listen to like, oh, okay, I've definitely heard this song.
1: Yeah. I, I would say there, there's a couple songs mainly off of the first album, but one or two, uh, especially off of, I think blood sport, they kind of had a small renaissance that mm. there may be uh one song. I'll talk about when we get there that, yeah, could have heard through the radio play or mm-hmm. something
0: as well. Um, so, as mentioned, these guys are overseas. They formed in Hartlepool, England, in 1994. Uh, but prior to that, they were together in the 80s. I guess when I say they, uh, this is Chris Corner and Liam Howe are the two original members of the, and still like the only main members of the band, technically. Um, yeah,
1: I kept seeing every time I started to write that out, I kept starting to write Chris Cornell. <laughs>
0: <was> Make <making> my <laughs> notes. R.I.P. Not R.I.P. Chris Cornell. <laughs> um, but yeah, Chris kind of handles vocals, some guitars, and keyboard work in the live setting. And Liam does a lot more of the background, the keyboards, the synths, the programming, and the percussion, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they started actually together. They met when they were younger. They met – they started as a, uh act called Frisk. It's an acronym. I did not find what it – if it stood for anything. But it had – because it's F period, know. R period, whatever. Could be nautical-themed again. We can try to oh, – Oh,
1: boy. Something there's a- – no
0: catamarans. In the no, song, no, unless they spell catamarans with a K in England, <laughs> then maybe. Um, but then they also worked as a DJ. They worked as DJs and producers under the name Line of Flight. Uh, but it wasn't until like the early you know ninety four where they kind of decided to actually put effort into releasing their own music with like vocals and their own uh, their own beats and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other members, I guess, the other important members of the band, they recruited Kelly Dayton. She's also currently known as Kelly Alley. Um, she's the singer on the first album. She gets let go in '98 after the U.S. tour, basically before they start work on their second album. And that was kind of like a cast of—I think they would get some live singers to come or some women to come sing live with them. But Chris took over the singing duties, and it was kind of like a mix from there. Yep. Um, and then there's a couple supporting musicians that played live with them. Joe Wilson played bass. And Dave West like, played drums, but they both eventually leave in two thousand two.
1: Yeah, that's was going,
0: it, it, <laughs> it. Really, is, yeah.
1: It was, it was mainly Corner and How had their set idea and just bringing in people to mm-hmm. flesh it out when they needed to. Yeah,
0: I think depending on, I mean, when we get into the album discussions, there's definitely a sonic shift in the band in a sense. Um, with with Kelly, it was kind of the more traditional trip hop sound, I guess. What you think with the with massive attack reporter's head, mm-hmm. but it just kind of seemed like reading up on their history. Like they just, they seemed to not like her that much because when they got to the States, it kind of seemed to all kind of fall apart for them. Like they, Kelly was getting all the attention cause she's the singer mm-hmm. and it seemed like Chris and Leah, I think, I don't know if they both didn't like it equally or I don't know, maybe one of them didn't like it more. And then they kind of brought the other one to their side. It just kind of just kind of kind of just like shunned her. They like gave her the cold shoulder and kind of cut her out. Yeah. The rest of the I, US tour.
1: I think there was something they, uh, written here, but they, they didn't want to be known as like a faddish female oriented trip hop act, mm-hmm. which I mean, ma- there's no female as a core member of Massive Attack. They have had, um, like several featured, whatever, artists right. and stuff and had female sound. Yeah. Obviously, Portishead will, it has the singer, mm-hmm. but I think it was just they didn't want to be called Portishead and have to be like, Oh no, we're right. Uh, we're not Portishead. We're, yeah. we're that other band.
0: And I think too, I've seen like a random like interviews or things with Kelly. It almost, she kind of made it seem like, Oh, I was never actually officially part of the band. So like, if you said, Oh, this is sneaker pimps. It's just the two guys. And she still was like the featured kind of, it was kind yeah. of, it was weird. Like there's a lot of, there's not a lot out there about them from what I can tell. Like I couldn't find anything like, so they, I guess I should mention they did take a hiatus. well, is it a hiatus? Is it a breakup in 2005? Kind of kind of unclear. There wasn't really thinking yeah. about it. It's like, oh, we're just not doing this anymore.
1: Yeah, it seemed more like a hiatus where it was just kind of drifted apart and weren't officially
0: not making music. But yeah, they just kind of fell... I think their just personal relationship just kind of fell apart sort of thing mm-hmm. between Chris and Liam. Um, but they did reform in 2015. They re- released the most recent album in 2021. Um, but yeah, they just kind of... Once they made that big shakeup in 98 by getting rid of Kelly, they just kind of, like, did their thing for a few years, and then they just kind of – they kind of slowly, you know, they peaked with that Six Underground song and that that time period, and then just kind of, like, slowly just kind of stepped yeah. stepped down, it seemed in popularity.
1: Well, that was the thing when they dropped uh, – when they dropped Kelly, who they hired when their manager, like, was like, hey, go check this singer out mm-hmm. in the pub, so – and that got them their like big ba- ma- major label record deal when they demoed with her, mm-hmm. and then they dropped her, and the record label dropped them after that first album. Yeah. So their second album didn't never even had a US release, right? Um, so I think that probably led to a lot of that popularity decline too, and also lends credence to uh, your theory that she probably what they didn't really want her as part of the band to begin with and was more of a feature.
0: Yeah. I, w- I wish I had it saved somewhere. There was, um, it was some weird, it was like a really poorly designed website or it was like an archive thing from like an interview or a thing that she wrote basically about her history in the band. And I guess she was saying like, they weren't very talkative or seen, didn't seem super receptive. It seemed like the managers maybe pushing her being a singer first to join the band kind of thing. And then eventually she's kind of like, oh, well, they want you to be in the band. Like, well, I mean, I just don't want to like be there and sing like because she's playing guitars in another band kind of thing. Yeah. And it's funny because she mentioned, I guess, our good friend, uh, Kim Fowley from episode 17. She mentioned his name. I'm like, I saw the name come through. I'm like, I recognize the name. I look like, oh, this motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess he was associated with whatever band she was a part of. I couldn't I can't find the name. I don't I don't (laughs) see it on the I didn't write it down. But I guess like he got pissed that she joined Sneaker Pimps then cuz they tried to sell her on the fact like oh it, if you come you come to Sneaker Pimps you join we'll get this record label, record label deal with Virgin and then they'll also help you with your other band so you can do both. Oh really? And it didn't really kind of shake out that way. So I don't know, it was really yeah.
1: weird cuz yeah, she's kept up with her own solo career mm-hmm. since then. She's she's been active the entire time. Um, from Sneaker Pimps On, doing a lot of her own music and collaborations
0: and stuff. Yeah. Um, I do remember, like, I do remember hearing Six Underground a lot on the radio. I remember kind of really liking that song a lot. I couldn't, you know, I probably found out who it was, but I never bought the CD or anything like that. Hmm. Um, But, yeah, never knew anything about the band, so I never saw them. I mean, obviously, they had a 20-year break or whatever, 10-year break. But... I still have some mild interest in seeing them if they showed up on a festival bill somewhere.
1: Yeah. I, again, they, they definitely would not be my top, uh, down tempo or trip hop act. Yeah. I, I would look out for, but yeah, if it was, uh, on am doing a circuit and good date and pricing and everything, I think they'd be yeah interesting to see. Um, especially now. I mean, they, they play that early stuff and the new newer album, mm-hmm. um, which is quite a bit different. So you get a, a good span of um, what they're trying to pull off. Because yeah. the only thing is it, it more than likely would not be with Kelly. So no. how, how those would sound yeah. live with uh, another singer covering.
0: Mm-hmm. Um.
1: I guess the, i uh, talk about it. The big, Formation, but the the name "Sneaker Pimps," um, oh yeah, kind of a interesting aside. Which uh, the Beastie Boys publish uh, Grand Royal magazine, and then there was an article in that they talked about in New York. They had they had a guy who they hired to track down. Um, like rare sneakers and stuff for oh, them. Oh, really? Referred to as
0: the sneaker pimp. Now we have an app for that. Maybe we should make an app called Sneaker Pimp and then see what. <laughs> oh yeah. See how fast we get sued. It's asking for trouble. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I have nothing else to really bring up on their history. If do you have any other points you'd like to make, or should we take a break and then get to our uh,
1: album discussion? Yeah, I mean, um, just kind of as. An unrelated aside, but um, you know, sifting through the mass amounts of listener fan mail, we get um, <laughs> we got uh, an interesting point. So thanks to Byron for this one. Uh, point that out for all of our other listeners out here. Uh, we found that Mike really likes to use the word cohesiveness oh in his uh, album discussions uh-huh. uh, to the point where. Uh, feel free to make that into a, a drinking game for yourself in the second half, and we'll see if he keeps that rolling.
0: Get ready at the third album, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, with that, I think we will uh, take our break, and then we'll come back and discuss, wow, discuss the discography of Sneaker Pimps. <laughs> I am not drunk, I swear. <laughs> Welcome back from the break, everybody. Uh, We will get into uh, Sneaker Pimp's discography here. So they have four albums. uh, Nice and sweet and short one for you guys. Uh, Starting with Becoming X, released in 1996, followed by Splinter in 1999, Bloodsport in 2002, and then Squaring the Circle in 2021. Uh, So we will begin with Becoming X. Uh, As we kind of talked about uh, up top. This was kind of their big break on the scene. Basically this is powered by the single six underground. Oh,
2: one's out. One's
0: out. Down. Uh, that's the song everyone's going to recognize most likely by this band. Um, but also, I think, at least, what, Spin, Spin, Sugar. And then, that was the only other song that maybe I would say. You, you mentioned that there's a couple, you think, that...
1: Those were the big ones. Uh, Tesco, Suicide, and then Postmodern, Sleaze. Well, I... She- Uh, I did recognize it's what I've heard before, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know if that's just me actually like going and sneaking, sneak, seeking out the band previously and listening to that or if it showed up in, in gotcha. radio play or, um, but there were, what, there was
0: five singles in total that they put right. out from this album. Yeah. Six Underground didn't come out. It was the third single. Yep but that was actually released. Oh, they did like the pre singles with Tesco suicide and roll on. And then they did six underground the month after it was released in the UK, at least, mm-hmm. um, didn't get released in the U S till February of 97. Um, but the, to me, this kind of, this fits the mold of kind of your mid nineties trip hop scene that you're going to be familiar with. This is the popular sound of massive attack and Portishead. head. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, will say like based on, I mean, just, with the six underground strength alone, how good that single was or how much people enjoyed it. It's been, they, uh, the album spent 23 consecutive weeks in the billboard top 100 pretty much just because of that single, which is pretty, I mean, that's great <laughs> for like first record. You're like, Hey, here's a, here's a lot of money in the nineties. So
1: <laughs> yeah, I would, I would take that today. if They uh, said, sign your name here and get mm-hmm. you that many plays. Yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. So one thing to note, um, I'm assuming most people are going to listen to this on Spotify. So what Spotify actually has is the 1997 limited release version, which has a couple differences than the original version. So it mainly affects three songs. First is six underground, which is approximately 28 seconds shorter. And it's also like the Nellie Hooper remix, which I think is the one that kind of got the United States radio play. Yes. Um, Then Spin Spin Sugar, it's 47 seconds shorter, and it's also a radio mix. And then Postmodern Sleaze, it's shorter by about a minute and 40 seconds, which I thought was kind of a lot, but I went kind of digging through. So also on Spotify, they'll have like the singles EP section and stuff. Mm -hmm. So they have the regular versions of Six Underground and Spin Spin Sugar. I will say they weren't wildly different. I think the sound was maybe because they're remixes and stuff. The sound was tweaked a little bit. So I feel like if you listen to it consecut- consecutively, that run of six underground becoming X, and like spin spin sugar, it kind of connects more because mm-hmm. with oh. the way the sound is, yeah. it just connected more versus having the remix in there. Kind of like it still works, but like it just didn't have that connecting like under undertone. I I said like oh, it's like a little more oom for sleaze in the background of like the OG version of six underground okay. that helps like sag into the that little yeah. run there.
1: Uh, and I wonder because. Those three tracks all have samples of other uh, – either film scores or other songs as well. Uh, so I wonder if that had anything to do with mm-hmm. the radio edits and they took away some of um, of that extra stuff. Maybe. Because um, I know in Postmodern sleaze specifically sampled the ritual music from the final scenes of The Wicker Man, um, the original uh, – okay. Uh, or- one so i could see on the singles version that minute plus being a lot of just that uh the sample from that that's going to be more of the
0: maybe yeah uh, i found a i found a youtube cut um it wasn't quite the full five minutes 12 seconds that they list as the track length i think it was like four something but it was like closer to five minutes basically so i was like all right it's pretty much the same thing Hmm. but like it I didn't really notice that much different. I kind of thought maybe just a little more extended instrumentation that, I mean, I guess that kind of feeds the point you just made, I guess. So yeah, that was kind of really the only difference that I noticed. Like, Oh, it's just a little bit extra intro and a little bit extra outro, but like the core song was still basically the same. So, Um,
1: which, yeah, I think makes sense for all the, the radio play and the, the ads and everything else they have to get in. It seems like a lot of times on radio edits or singles versions, they'll, just cut uh, re- some extended, repeated mm-hmm. pieces of a track or something to try to yeah. slim it.
0: Yeah, but for whatever reason, they didn't because they have a postmodern sleaze so like EP single thing on Spotify too. But they don't have like the original five minute <laughs> version for whatever reason. So it's kind of goofy. Um, but kind of besides these singles we've been mentioning and stuff too, I I also really enjoy Low Place Like Home, the opening track. Low place like home. I thought it was like a nice, um, you know, nice opening first album, first track. Here you go. Uh, Mm Kind of gets you in the right mindset for uh, what this album's about.
1: Yeah, it was – I mean, Six Underground was the big one already new coming in. Um, But I I then actually self-liking the second half of the album more than the first half. Really? Um, Yeah, I think – I think like Tesco Suicide and Spin Spin Sugar uh, were two of the other ones they had chosen for singles and they were okay. But mm. the, I guess it, maybe it kind of got moodier in the second half or okay. l- a little, um, what's it, like a, a little darker in, in tone mm-hmm. and sound. Uh, and that kind of fit the, the trip pop vibe I listened to a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think roll on, roll on is one that sticks out in my head, too, a little bit. Um, so, yeah, kind of the back half. I I just I just generally enjoyed kind of the whole sound worked for me, so that's why kind of it all, I didn't, I guess, have a preference of the first half or second half, mm-hmm. so. Um,
1: and this was, uh, we didn't mention him in the intro, but Ian Pickering mm-hmm. uh, was a the lyricist they brought in to help write uh, the lyrics for all these tracks, uh, or most of the tracks at least, um, mm-hmm. this first album, uh, he he doesn't he never gets involved in playing anything with the band, or I don't think writing any of the music uh, seems to be more, more focused on um, the just the the lyrics themselves. Mm. Uh, just to keep repeating myself there, <laughs> uh, but he. Does not get involved, I believe, in the second album and then comes back again in the third. Uh, so that's some, you can kind of, there's, there's a difference in tone, I think, in the, the lyrics and how hit in this album versus, uh, Splinter that Mm -hmm. we can talk to. But I think he's a big reason for that. Sure.
0: Um, I've kind of said my piece, I think, on, uh, On this record Do you have any final points you'd like to make? Uh, no For this one Looks like I've got everything Covered that I have written down here Okay So, starting us off Phil Between 1 and 4 Where do you place Becoming X? I have
1: Becoming X At Surprising everyone here Number one.
0: <laughs> me too. <laughs> what the popular album is the number one? Yeah, yeah, it is. I will say it. Uh,
1: it didn't end up being as clear cut as I thought it was going to
0: be. Okay, Because I do. Interesting. Some more of these listens. Yeah, this was um, this was a runaway number one for me. So, so every
1: time I came back to, it, I was like, okay, yeah, this is going to stay at number one. But there were a couple of
0: times mm, listening to some others, like some moments. I don't know. Of do I? Do I like this one more? Okay. Maybe I do. All right. Um, All right. We will see We will see where that takes us. <laughs> uh, moving on to 1999's Splinter. Uh, so as we kind of mentioned in the front half, this is when Kelly gets booted. Uh, I guess she kind of went into a meeting thinking they were going to talk about the second album. And it's like, nope, you're out of the band. Uh, Chris Corner took over the vocal duties, which I think he, he seemed to want to do in the first place. I think they just kind of said for becoming acts like oh this music's more suited to a female vocalist that's why they mm-hmm. apparently wanted to go that route. Yeah,
1: cuz then they they use the opposite line for when they let her go and they said mm-hmm. oh we think this the style we're going for now just fits Chris's right voice better. Right. Um but to point that kind of lends to the artwork on this, it's a shot of the back of Chris's head. Yeah. And that was supposed to kind of symbolize him taking over as the front man, but not really wanting to be uh, the persona of a front man. So mm. he was turned away. I was like, yeah, okay, but then you went through this whole thing you <laughs> kick
0: out your lead singer. They kind of seem like interesting dudes yeah. in a sense. Um, Yeah, so this one, I think to me this sounds – so this doesn't. So if if the Becoming X is kind of the typical mold of trip hop from the 90s that most people, I would say, are familiar with, I'd say this kind of goes away from that sound. This is kind of more. It, it kind of blends moments of different things. Like there's. I picked up, you know, acoustic guitar and some different track layers. There's kind of some blistering rock sound, like in Lo Five. Um, you know, some reviews noted Psychedelica. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think. In the grand scheme, does it fall under that trip hop umbrella? Probably. Maybe the problem is they got tagged with that label and becoming X, so it kind of just sticks with you, sort of thing. I don't think, like, it, it's, yeah, since it's not the standard sound, like, like everyone's used to, it's hard for me to say, yeah, this is easy trip hop for me, but also mm-hmm. I'm not like a trip hop PhD guy. Like, oh, no, this is the, yeah. uh,
1: if, if you're going off of like the the main trip hop. Albums, it doesn't, but there is a lot of the thread of the psychedelia and some of those other th- that leak in through the the vast library mm-hmm. of trip hop acts. So I still thought this was uh this was pretty firmly uh, a, a trip hop album. Still, mm-hmm. um, it does. I do get all those same influences, and you could definitely hear the change in sound. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe wasn't as edgy and beat driven as becoming x yeah um, but i think the the lyrics were a little bit more personal i know for like uh, low mm. five it was chronicling some of the mental instability that chris suffered from the becoming x tour give me love. They toured for like two years straight and right. then he just kind of left the tour and didn't complete it at yeah. one point and took a break for a while. Um, I think a lot of that went into writing this album as well.
0: Mm. Um, So get your drinks right, everybody. This album's not that cohesive in a sense, like, cause all my notes are like, Oh, this song sounds like this. So like, I've like flowers and silence. I think that that is the most, Closely related to like the dark ambient trip hop sound that like most people be familiar with. Um but then like super bug sounds like something like kind of just overly familiar at the time. Like it wasn't really special, but like it just kinda it could maybe could have been on the radio. You just never, you know, it's one of those songs like, oh, it's on the radio, and you kinda hear it. Yeah. So that, I think that's more of like the rock guitar sound. And then I also picked up like a little bit industrial with uh cute sushi sushi it wasn't like the entire thing there was like little portions that you i think it was like some of the guitar work that sounded like oh this sounds a lot like nine inch nails to me so,
1: so they they sampled um from a Vangelis track for that, who's kind of big synth-heavy composer did okay. like the Blade Runner soundtrack that mm. is kind of that industrial sound. Yeah, so that makes that sense, makes then.
0: sense. Yeah, um, yeah, just kind of looking up on this album. I think everyone's thoughts are kind of all. It's like a mixed bag of thoughts. Like some people really love it. NME's review is very effusive and praise about it, but I think most. Um, most publications are kind of just like, eh, mm-hmm. it's hard to come off of yeah, becoming X and release your next thing. And without your main, well, main quote unquote, main vocalist that everyone was so used to hearing. So, That's true. and
1: NME is a British publication as yeah. well. So uh, they, I think they always kind of have a slightly softer spot for mm-hmm. uh, British artists. Than, yeah. Um, some of the others. And like I said, this is the one that didn't even get the U S release because Virgin dropped them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just the uh, overseas, I think like Austria, this was a pretty big hit as well. Okay. uh, It's reading. Um, But it just kind of, this is one that grew for me with multiple listens as kind of that darker trip hop and psychedelic influence walked it in.
0: Yeah. Out of it. I will say for, for my comment about it, not really being cohesive. I will say it did grow on me a little bit too on the multiple listens. Cause like this one basically besides becoming X, I listened to the oh. other three, like a lot more because I'm like, I got a fair <laughs> where to put these things. So like on the more listens I gave it, I was like, okay, I can appreciate what they were going for. Maybe didn't quite click with what I was with, what I wanted to see, I guess. Sure. Um, but no, I still enjoyed it. Like, Again, I think that the first couple songs, Half-Life. Half-Life
2: wastes before it goes. It's funny how your beasting touch never leaves me home. It's not enough to stay here, almost dry. You keep your last
0: laugh. Watch this die. Um, and low five are nice like okay you know they got something going here mm-hmm. um, but then it just kind of that's when and then after that that's when it kind of starts losing me a little bit like stuff doesn't sound like overly bad per se it's just kind of doesn't fully come together for me
1: yeah at the the end the ending uh few songs we were just kind of or um destroying angel i uh, i highlight that one too i like that mm. track quite a bit in the middle
2: Cause I'm blessed, she But you never want me much Like the view across the water From your shoes Two feet smaller I know it doesn't pay To be this hard
1: But yeah, otherwise I'd I'd pretty much agree with What you're seeing on this one
0: Okay Um, Any final comments? Shall we shall we rank um, so this was just
1: one start uh it was kind of starting after that first tour um but Noel Fielding has been noted to be an occasional live uh player with them i think on some mm. shows uh so you might know him as one founders of the mighty boosh and he's also the current host of the great british bake off um he's kind of that okay. uh, like the weirdest comic yeah
0: dark like the longish dark hair kind of guy yep really Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right that's kind
1: of random so there yeah there were there's a couple random um ties with mighty boosh i think it was westlake uh when he leaves the band ends up going and joining the mighty boosh band for like their live performances and stuff and playing on with them Hmm. So if you've, if you've ever seen the old Greg uh, comedy sketch, that's the Mighty Boosh comedy okay. troupe.
0: Hmm. All right. Extra credit homework for everybody. Go look <laughs> up the Mighty Boosh. Um, so yeah, ranking time? Yeah. Cool. Um, I guess it's me, right? Yeah, toss it. Uh, so for this one, like I kind of mentioned, so this one did grow on me. I originally actually had this at Ford for a while. Um, but then kind of on my repeat listens and stuff, I'm like, all right, it's kind of growing on me. It's kind of growing on me. Um, ultimately, I end up with this at three. Um, I appreciate what, like I said, I appreciate what they were kind of going through, but yeah, it's a tough follow up to becoming X. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, this I've
1: got at two, Mm -hmm. um, but I did the same where the first listen through, first one or two listen throughs did have it at four at first. Uh, I think it was largely, Listening to Becoming X and then Splinter right afterwards, yep. there's a difference. It's like, oh, that's kind of a change. I don't know if I liked it. But then listening to, listening through backwards and stuff too. And then going from this to Becoming X is like, oh, that's actually not as big of a, a jump, other than obviously you got some different vocal stylings, but mm-hmm. a lot of the bass threads are there. Um, I'm guessing this is probably what they really wanted to. Start with in their first album, yeah. um, but it wasn't going to get them the label and everything. Right. Um, so th- yeah, there were a couple points though. Listening back through this, that I really liked what they're doing. It's like I don't know, it, do I like this one? <laughs> ultimately, it wasn't gonna <laughs> right. And that's
0: gonna jump becoming X. So, yeah. yeah. Right. Alright Right. So we're gonna move on to 2002's Bloodsport. Um. Hey, do y'all like cohesion? Because it ain't with this album. Jesus.
1: I would I would absolutely agree. I, I didn't use the word cohesiveness, but
0: that would be. I actually be. never, if you look at my notes, I did not type <laughs> cohesiveness once. I'm just saying it more now. Um, Everyone's being nice and drunk. Uh, Yeah, this sound is just scatterplot. I don't know, like, <clears throat> part of it seemed like, yeah it kind of fits like the early 2000s like indie stuff kinda but like it doesn't really like
1: electro pop too yeah Yeah.
0: you can't really like I don't know it just like it kind of gives the vibes of that but like you can't I couldn't really like place it like oh it kind of sounds like this band the only song that I thought sounded like someone was Grazes I thought it vaguely felt like Radiohead with the sound at least a little bit but like that was kind of it I was like that's really the only thing I can kind of box in there a little bit. I'm like, All yeah. right.
1: There this is the other album though. Um the the second track, Sick, is the other one I think has been played yeah. on radio or in some other pop culture stuff before.
2: Maybe then you wouldn't get so sick of me.
1: When that came on, I kind of felt like I've heard that somewhere before. Okay. Uh, so Ian Pickering comes back on this one. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of this one was the lyrics were written by Chris and Liam. Um, and then maybe that's why, with like the first one and this one, there's they are the lyrics at least are a little bit more pop centric mm-hmm. almost than. Um, and the music in this one is much kind of brighter and quicker and everything. Yeah. Uh, for most of it. But they do jump around and uh, what? Yeah. I've got kind of disorganized and drifts through genre and energy and theme without really offering anything new mm-hmm. to their style or performance.
0: Yeah. Um, I know, like, the only songs that really kind of grab me, I would say uh Loretta Young silks was kind of the first one that kind of grabbed my attention Don't really remember what about it, I was like, all right, I can kinda get I can get down with this song a little bit. Um and then to some extent, Small Town Witch also um kind of sat with me in a positive light. But yeah, in that hodgepodge, of whatever. Yeah. It's tough to come by.
1: Um yeah, I had the the fuel and think Carter were two of them. And then like said sick was the one that uh, that I just kept getting stuck in my head because of that yeah. um, chorus. I think.
0: Yeah. So I, I generally didn't have too much to say about this album. I think once I found this uh, Entertainment Weekly review of it, it kind of like yeah, this this kind of sums it up I think pretty well. It says the line that I stole was once a trip hop outfit with a female singer, sneaker pips are now a mopey synth pop quartet aimed at everyone's hidden goth teen. I'm like, all right, that kind of. That kind of summarizes the sound of this album a little bit. Yeah,
1: I I could agree with that. Yeah. Um, And I know on the album, uh, it wasn't Liam Howe playing uh, on the synths either, because he was unavailable for some reason or another. Hmm. Um, So um, one of their long-term friends and associates, Chris Tate, brought in to sit down and put the synthesizers in for these tracks. I don't I they they still wrote all of them and everything so I don't think that really had any impact on the ultimate sound of this. But mm-hmm. I think um it was about this time too I think th- that uh Chris really started pr- uh doing a lot with his side project I IAMX. Mm. Um Which he that was actually kind of different. I went through a little bit of his catalog. I think he's got seven or eight albums
2: oh wow um, under that and it
1: drifts through um he's got some trip hop stuff he's got some synth poppy stuff all the way into like an alternative almost straight alternative record okay i think that was pretty interesting Hmm. um worth diving into uh but i wonder if that's it seems like the split that split started with this album and yeah. see it in these tracks the yeah. way they're put together.
0: Um, any other points you'd like to make or ready to, ready to rank it? I feel like I have a feeling where we're both putting this. Yeah, I yeah. think
1: uh, I think we're ready to rank it. <laughs> Gonna guess uh, tied on to number four here?
0: Yes, we are. <laughs> Survey says? <laughs> <laughs> Two people plus the rest of the... Most of the other world people that listen to this music or listen to this band, yeah, number four. Um, oh, I just want
1: to—they uh, did move to France and Germany to record in a farmhouse during this time to try and capture the Berlinesque new wave punk mm. sound, which I guess there's a little bit of that in here, but that's not one of the first no. genre changes I would have
0: picked out. Yeah. I wouldn't have either. Um, all right. Finally, twenty twenty one squaring the circle. So yeah, they it's a nineteen year gap between albums. Um
1: getting all math proofs on us, here. yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh there was apparently a fourth album being worked on at least circa two thousand three, uh, but it was shelved after their or right before the breakup happened basically i think there was also like a movie soundtrack that apparently was supposed to be done by them that also maybe got leaked so everyone kind of like the hardcore fans called that the lp4 or sp4 yeah um but it's nothing's been acknowledged about it it's just kind of you know the price shitty quality download Mm. of uh
1: no there was one it was um someone left uh, like a music player device at a Russian nightclub or something that had about six tracks on it, and a couple of those under new names are on this album. So they okay. did confirm that those songs that leaked were oh. were their recordings. Interesting.
0: Um, at one point, yeah, because I did note for this album. So like. It is a mix of past incomplete songs that have been sitting dormant, but also like new collaborations. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious when they say new collaborations, if that's all the ones with the female vocalist, Simone Jones, she's added as a featured artist for all those.
1: Um, Yeah, because I didn't really get the feeling that she actually collaborated on any of those songs. No, they probably wrote the lyrics like, 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 oh, this seems like
0: a part for a female artist. And here you go. Yeah. Um didn't learn from their first album on no, how to handle that. No. And, and I should have gone and looked to see if I could have had a fancy breakdown like the Hum uh subreddit did for like the their surprise release, like, oh, these songs were old and redone, or this is a brand new one. Oh. I'll see what if anyone had a breakdown like that for the <laughs> sneaker pimps. I did not go look though, unfortunately. Um so if there's an R sla- if there's an R sneaker pimps out there, if you guys have that, send it our way. Um But I think with this, though, like this, this is kind of more the sound I expected or that I enjoy, I guess. I do like the dark ambient, female driven vocalist, uh, trip hop kind of genre. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. mind the male vocalist part. It's just nice to have that blend. I think it just suits it all so well. So, this isn't quite, I wouldn't say this is as like super dark and ambient. This has a little bit of brightness to it. Um, but it still has like the same, like, classic quote unquote classic trip hop undertones mm-hmm. about it.
1: I I would agree almost completely. This is the one I said they it it makes sense for them to go this route as an evolution, um, never being one of the top trip hop bands to mm-hmm. begin with, right. and that genre not being as big as it is anymore, kind of go more electric synth pop esque, um, brighten it up and add in some Different sounds um, worked pretty well for them. I did yeah. like that they brought Simone Jones into this. She's got uh, a great voice that matched pretty well with most of what they have her in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did think like she felt more like an add on instead of an integral part of crafting the album. Mm-hmm. Um, where if her, if her influence was in a little bit more, it might have made some of these tracks flow a little bit better Mm. um
0: yeah like any of the songs she was on are ones i enjoyed the most for sure um opening track fighter again opening tracks you you do a good opening track i'm in yeah so uh and then immaculate hearts as well i think was a couple good ones
1: I don't know, Immaculate Hearts was one um, I know that one and Tranquility Trap it's, I saw written about it as highlights quite a bit And looking through this And I enjoyed them, but not as much as I thought I was going to mm. From those um, But like Alibis and So Far Gone mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed those two Alibis, I believe, doesn't have Simone I don't believe so. and then So Far Gone does. I thought those were kind of two, uh, two songs that they put in a good place back-to-back to each other mm. to show that contrast, but they didn't feel like they were um off of separate albums or anything. They worked together, but they were right. different S- enough.
0: Yeah. But I did see like this album. So it is a longer album. It's 16 songs. I think I've seen... I thought I just said like, Oh, so it's just a regular album for them. But then I saw something like, Oh no, this is like a double album, blah, blah, blah. So like an eight, you know, eight and eight split mm-hmm. or something. I couldn't really find like an exact like, Oh no, it's for sure. supposed to be a double album. Oh, instead of just one. Sorry. I don't know. Okay. But like, I think the one knock I'd say it is a little long. You yes. could probably cut this down to like 11 or 12 songs. It'd I, be a little nicer. say the low lights on this
1: definitely drag the el- the rest of the album down.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, like, yeah, like I said, this kinda is more of the standard trip hop package, but I think it has like it sounds like of the time, so it sounds of like 2020, basically, to me. Mm-hmm. It has that modern touch, because like I thought um the song No Show. I was in the brush a long time
2: me. I was
0: kind of had some churches vibes. Cause you kind of get the play on, you get the Chris doing the backing male vocal part, like in churches, but then you still have Simone doing, um, mm-hmm. Lauren Mayberry, like the main forefront of the song kind of oh. thing. I
1: was trying to figure out what band it was. Oh, that. Okay. I was like, man, there's someone I, I couldn't <laughs> think of it. churches. is perfect.
0: Yep. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, pretty, pretty good for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you mentioned alibis, um, they were, that song reminded me of the antlers a little bit. Okay. I think it was kind of more just the airy guitar kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so but yeah, I, for being off again, I mean, after doing the hum, hum, uh, episode where they were off for whatever, 20 years between records, like this is pretty solid. I wouldn't say it's like blow you, it's not going to blow you away by any means, but mm-hmm. not bad. Um, yeah,
1: it's not one of those where they came back. You're like, why did you even get back together and make a record? Exactly. This, yeah, this is still worth listening yep. to at least. Yep. Um, but yeah, that was. I mean, that's really the biggest knock I had on it was it was too long for th- the content that they had. Yeah, could have cut that down. Um, and one of the other, uh, I think this still, this still kind of gets the trip hop. Um, but the biggest thing with this album that differs from the first three is the use of samples. Um, mm-hmm. cause those are pretty big in, in trip hop as a genre. Mm-hmm. The first three, about half the tracks use, uh, samples at different points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from what I looked up and could see, I didn't see any samples credited
0: on some more of their album. own production. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. So I'm curious if they decide to do a fourth, a fifth album, if they'll stick this rattle, they'll kind of, I guess what lies ahead for them. And yeah, cause I think what corner
1: he, he had, there was a track or two on the earlier albums where you had some acoustic guitar, but I think that's one route that corner wants to dive into more. He played it quite a bit more on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, than he had in the past. I think one of his influences was um, Spanish guitar music and Simon and Garfunkel, which is two interesting influences to add in with this genre. But yeah, that could be neat to see what he tries to do with that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think I I've, I've got nothing left to say. Do you have any other final points?
1: No. I no. Think, uh,
0: final rankings rank on this last one yeah so for me i had this at two i think because it's closer to that more traditional uh trip hop sound that i enjoy Mm -hmm. that's why it was up there for me over splinter so um and I, i had it at
1: three uh and my main note was that that the length and the low lights knocked it out of that second spot sure um if it was a little tighter like those 11 10 11 mm-hmm. tracks on this it yeah. might have been enough to be a complete album to okay. knock off splinter but. all
0: right um so yeah that concludes our uh, album ranking discussion uh do a quick recap here uh so f- at 4 we both had bloodsport uh at 3 i had splinter i had uh squaring the circle <laughs> at two and then we're flipped. So I have squaring the circle at two where you have splinter at two. And then we both match with becoming X at number one. Thanks for covering for me on those last. No problem. Mind <laughs> with four, uh, with four, <laughs> four albums, it's easy to recap. So, especially when you match on two of them. Yeah. Um, band recommendations. I know we've mentioned a few names here. Um, so kind of, yeah, massive attack and port has had their kind of the classic, big popular heavy hitters from like the early nineties that started mm-hmm. massive Attack's still around um, Porter's heads kind of around. They haven't really done much in a while, but they're not broken up or anything. So TBD, if they ever tour again anytime soon. Yeah. Um, but some of the other bands that I kind of mentioned that they kind of got like the one big hit sort of thing um, enough to like stick around. So there was Hooverphonic. Um, they, their first album has a song called two wiki on it. It samples um, "Walk On By" by Isaac Hayes. Okay, so uh, that's good. There, more Chiba and Supreme Beings of Leisure. They're kind of the other two in like that UK trip hop scene from like the mid nineties. That mm-hmm. they had a really good first, cup one or two albums, and then it kind of they stuck around. But I haven't really dug into their discography too much yet. So
1: um, there was also uh, Tricky was an original yes. member of Massive Attack. He he split off to do his own solo thing and mm-hmm. uh, made a name for himself after doing that as well. He's got some pretty good stuff.
0: Yep. Um, one other band I wanted to mention was air kind of the French duo. They there's it's, they're not a total similar, similar sound, but I think it's something with like the light with this new album gave me a little sense of that vibe for some reason. It's been a while since I've listened to air though. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, it's pretty similar. A lot of the, um, recommendations I have aren't other than the hitters of the actual trip hop genre that you mentioned yeah. are all a little bit different. Um, if you got like thievery, thievery corporation, mm-hmm. um, boards of Canada, Nicholas Jar, um, pretty lights, all good. And then if you want some that are kind of, I think, use trip hop and kind of have evolved and gone either more pop or hip hop with that too. You got Lana Del Rey that kind of uses Mm. some of that, but goes in the dream pop, um, FK twigs, Riley Ritchie, um, and even some of Bjork's older stuff, Mm. um, can kind of get that vibe. Uh, but then, uh, burial, frou, frou. Um, and then Kygo as, uh, one of the, newer ones he started doing more like electronic pop remixes and things mm-hmm. now which are a little different but a lot of his earlier stuff is interesting yeah
0: okay uh plugs anything you want to plug This will be coming out in the middle of february <sighs> middle of february yeah um i mean this uh
1: this is a perfect gift for that valentine in your life uh Get them
0: to describe subscribe and <laughs> 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 listen to, <this. laughs> Just to talk about music. Yeah. Perfect. Oh uh, god. Yeah. Turn it into an NFT and then give it to uh give it to the love of your life. For
1: the right price, I will come and serenade them for a night <laughs> if you wish. Uh, sultry
0: sounds of Phil. Yeah. That's the side that's the side pod that's coming. Uh Nothing. Nothing no, really. I've, nothing. Uh, I've no, I've, clearly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do not.
0: Yeah. I was going to mention Valentine's Day because it's going to be two days before this. So I guess happy Valentine's Day to people. I don't know. That sounds <laughs> weird to say. <laughs> Awkward. All those listeners out there. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> uh check us out on Instagram, index underscore pod. We're going to try and post more, I guess, but there might be some you might have noticed after the previous episode, there might be some professional e-photos up, maybe, already. So hopefully you can enjoy those. Um, you can email us at indexpodcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Uh, there will be a playlist of songs in the description. Um, and then, yeah, so next episode, season finale, episode 20. What are we doing for that? We are going to be doing Vampire Weekend. Ooh. Ooh. And we're going to have a guest. Oh, oh These kids don't stand a chance. No, they don't. Um, it's going to be our biggest Vampire Weekend expert on the podcast, too. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure, guest. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I guess with that, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for tuning in. And I hope you check out our next episode. Pop, pop. Sneaker picks and now many